0: Yeah, Russell Fraser uh, is like a father figure in Josh Jane. Um, they would call him father. <laughs> no, they don't do that. Um, but yeah, I want you to open up your hearts to receive from him. Um, he's, it's been a long time since you've been with us. Like, uh, like uh, But yeah, some of you might even don't know him. But I really want to, like that the whole thing, there was a prophetic word about the... And that that you posture your heart with humility this morning to receive what the Lord wants to come. And Russell, I want to just, you know, you're released to share, but welcome to share as the Lord leads you. I'm not going to pray for you again, but you can go for it. Do you want me to pray for you? No. Thanks, Morris. Yeah. Thanks. Morning, everybody. yeah, it's so wonderful to be with you guys. We haven't been here for quite a while, and it's just so refreshing to be with you guys in terms of your worship. Wow. Well led, Kenan. It was great. And uh, the worship guy, excellent, the team. And I was so tired during worship, I've got to be honest, I was standing behind Noah, and to watch Noah jumping up and down <laughs> for half an hour is very exhausting. Uh, yeah, but we've... It is a real honour to really minister to God's people and to and God's word. Um, Jenny and I, yeah, we originally from Durban. We moved down here about twenty five years ago to the Cape, and we met Andrew in January '99, and um, we it was the last weekend of January of January in non- nineteen ninety nine, and it was in Andrew's house, and we didn't know who he was. We just sort of met this group of guys. We were looking for a church, being new to Cape Town, and. Andrew stood up that night and said, this is our first official Josh Jen meeting. There's 15 people. Today, there'll be about six or 7,000 people meeting in Josh Gen congregations, and as you know, we don't like our congregations to get big. We want everyone to be known by name. We don't want to be a mega church. We want to be a, a church that's in covenant and family and doing life together. If you want to describe the church, we want to do life together and reflect Christ and Jesus working in our lives to our towns. And and." So at the moment, we led Durbanville for about 10 years. And Derek and Teresa were the elders with us there. And great couple, love them, especially, especially Teresa. I remember my very first leaders meeting I, I did in Durbanville. And uh, Teresa was there. When you're, when you're preaching, you always look for someone who's excited about what you're saying. And if someone's falling asleep, you, you sort of move on from them. And you look for that person who's, yes, and she's like a, we call the Duracell bunny back, I don't know if you saw, <laughs> um and she's just excited about everything you say, you know. It's tea time, yeah, you know, the Lord's moving, yeah, she's excited. And um they're such a great friends of ours and a couple working with us over the years. And so, yeah, yeah, we led Durbanville for 10 years. We hand over to a young guy called Kevin, who's leading it incredibly well now, well at the moment, as you may be aware, they've moved into a new building in December. We're building, as Derek, remember, we fought for, for 10 years, pieces of land, and trying to get that building, and the Lord's provided amazingly, and they've had something like over 500 visitors in the last couple of months, you know, the church is just exploding, they so, so thinly stretch, everyone's trying to reach these new folk and draw them into what God is doing, and that's, you know, we want to build healthy churches, that's always been Andrew's mandate from the Lord, you know, in Thessalonians, says you became a model church, and we want to be a church that models Church to the world and to live the dream that the Lord has over His bride, His beautiful church. And so we're not called just to go to church on Sunday. Sunday meetings, you know, that's most of South Africa would be cultural Christians. And, you know, if you ask them, are you a Christian? They'd say yes. Uh, But born again Christians, very similar to America. I read the statistics in America done by the Barna Institute. Because um, most Americans would say, "No, we're a Christian nation. We, we Christians. There's no such thing as a Christian nation. There's Christian people and there's churches." Um, but they said, if they actually analyze it, there's only about five percent who are born again, and there's only one type of Christian, a born again one. Jesus, unless you're born again, you'll never enter the kingdom. And so, just no one's born a Christian. Uh, just because you're a good person doesn't mean you're going to go to heaven. Only if you're saved by grace, saved by His mercy, saved by His love. And that you know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, will you know him into eternity forever? And so that's, we try to build churches that are healthy. And what do we mean by that? Well, we, we've always used Acts 2.42 around there where they devoted themselves to apostolic teaching. They, they, they prayed. They broke bread together, met in each other's homes, shared possessions. Just a, a church that is so on fire for what God was done, had done in their lives. It was an outward expression of that love. And I'm praying for you guys, and you know, cause we, we get around now. So, for the last, in fact, for the last six or seven, eight years, we've been traveling the nations, and I sort of, a um, regional coordinator, which oversee most of South Africa for 412, cutting um, provinces, and KZN, and all those guys. So, that's, that's sort of my mandate to look after them, and also work into Josh Jen and, uh, and help uh, lead Josh Jen as a church. And so we get around to a lot of different congregations and always try and pick up God's heart for each situation. You know, what, is, what is God saying to you in Wellington? And I felt something in the Lord. And just coming through, the Word's coming through now as well this morning. I really feel the Lord um, wants to mobilize you. Yesterday I just felt the word mobilization. And to mobilize you as a, as a congregation, that, that every single person would be someone who's saying, Lord, I'm in your will. I'm positioned well that you can use me. And uh, so the Lord, you know, can we put up the first scripture, Hebrews 10 38? Did you give them the scriptures? Wonderful. Uh, started 5 10. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Is that up to verse 3? Um, is it more there? Yeah. <laughs> okay, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So there's a ro- there's a ro- road marked out for every single one of us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that there's a road marked out for you? That God's got a road. He's got something that he wants you to journey on. And are you, in that, are you on that journey? Are you on that road that he's marked out? Or are you somewhere else right now? Where are you on that journey? Are you persevering through the trials and tribulations of this life? Are you carrying on and continuing uh, in what the Lord has called you to do? And uh, these are important questions. These are important things to, to settle in our own hearts. And Lord, how am I doing? And that, that applies not just to your ministry. That's, that's, that's an overflow. Your ministry should be an overflow. Positioning in, in the, ro- the road marked out for you in terms of are you in obedience to Jesus? You know, Jesus' love language is obedience, one of obedience. Not that whether you just hear all the time, but actually whether you do. Are you on that road of doing, of saying, Lord, my marriage, my business, my, my career, everything is belongs to you and that's been on the road marked out for you it's been in his will of the of your relationship with his with him that's the most important thing the relationship that you have with god in terms of obedience to his will and so are you on that race are you on that road let's read another scripture uh, 1 corinthians 9 verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. There's a prize. Jesus encouraged us to store up treasures for ourselves in heaven. He did. He said, didn't say, just, just put your hand up in a meeting, get born again, give your life to me, and then, okay, just take it easy now. You know? He says, no, there's actually more. Encourage us that there's rewards laid up for us. Many times he would say that. Even as elders, those those who serve as elders um, will get rewarded for serving well as an elder. There's a special crown that they will get. And so there's rewards that God gives. He doesn't want us to be complacent and, well, okay, let me just, what's the least I can give to God? Okay, I go to church on a Sunday morning. I'll go to community on Wednesday night. And is that enough for God? God, are you satisfied if I tick the boxes of making you happy now? And uh, also the... Or should there be an overflow of, I want, to be at every, I want to be at everything if I could. So it's more a heart thing. Does God have your heart more than what are you doing? Okay, Because you can do all those things. There are many people who, who do all the right things, but their hearts are not in it. They're just doing it to please man. Even they might be doing it to please God, but their hearts are not there. Their hearts are far from God. Um. About two years ago, uh, we had to go and meet with Andrew and a whole bunch of guys, the UK guys came across, we met in Switzerland, it was just during COVID and we were trying hard, they couldn't come to us, we couldn't, it was the only place we could go was somehow end up at our church in Switzerland, and the Ch- Swiss guys financed everything for us, very generous of them, Switzerland is a very expensive place, you, very, virtually impossible to go there in a South African budget, um, and then afterwards we all split up, and I went to the Netherlands, because we got an incredible church there in Aderwate, anybody know that? I think the Dutch have been here with you guys, and, and they're a phenomenal, that church is on fire for God, they were birthed in COVID, they're, exploding. They, they're Planting, They've already planted out into Ghanendal, and now they're looking at planting into Rotterdam as well. So there's just so much happening in the Netherlands. Um, they, and so we, I went there, and I tell, I came away refreshed. You know, you think you're going to go and add to them. I felt added to you and so encouraged coming back. Their passion and their love for God, because they'd come out of religion. Uh, the Enchia church is very strong in the religious parts of, of the Netherlands, and, um, and they'd come out of this. They, they were tasting... Uh, the, the Holy Spirit and, and being baptized in the Holy Spirit was like, wow, a moment for them. They were, they were just so excited about everything. Everything was like a brand new for these guys. Uh, but they, they've had an accelerated growth in terms of their, their walk and their maturity in the Lord. And it's about 50 kilometers south um, of Amsterdam, the, this Audivator. This, uh, and the, the, the lead guy, Peter, he said to me, why don't you borrow my car? and go and see your son, because my youngest son, he's a childhood accountant and he lives in Amsterdam now for six or seven or eight years now. So he said, go visit your son. So I said, okay. Now I've driven a left-hand drive car before, but I've never driven on the left-hand side of the road really. Normally people drive you, you know, they take you and you in those places and they drive you around. And um, and Dormit Jenny would be with me, and I, you know, she'd do that the GPS, and she's like, "Okay, turn left." You know, the, the, we'd work with the GPS. She could see, "Okay, turn coming up." And so, it I, I wasn't live on my my phone, so I downloaded maps. i all got a picture. I'm going to give you this while I'm going with the story, and and so. I got in the car, and I, I went off, and it was, it, the GPS wasn't in front of me. It was down next to the gear leave. There wasn't something to hold it. So I had to keep looking down. Six-lane freeway, you have gotta try and remember to stay on the wrong side of the road. Um, so all, I, I got my driver's license in 1977. For some of you, there was like this prehistoric times. Um, it was, even feels like it for me now. So I've driven, got all this muscle memory of driving on the left-hand side of the road. Now I'm driving on the right-hand side of the road in a left-hand drive car. And I'm trying to find out where to go, because I can't see the jeep, I've got to look down. Each time I look down, I kill five cars and <laughs> take cause accidents, and so it was it was. And I've got this blue line, and I've got this gray line. The gray line is the alternative route, and you don't want to get on that when you're in another country. It's like okay in your own country, and you're familiar. But when you're in another country, and, and you get on that gray line, and the, the lady who speaks on the GPS, we call her Mildred. Um, and, <laughs> Mildred was talking to me, and, uh, but then sometimes when I'd, I'd, I'd make a wrong turn, I'd end up on the grey line. I'm not on the right road, I'm not in the right now, I need to be on that blue line. And she doesn't even talk to me anymore, I've got no one talking to me now. And I'm, on, <laughs> um, I'm on this grey line, I'm, I'm off, the, I'm off the, the safe way, the right road. And eventually I get to Amsterdam. Amsterdam's an old city, it's got narrow roads, they're all one way streets. And there's millions of people on bicycles. And I don't know the rules. They've got their own rules there. And you, but only if my son told me later, no, that painting is on the road over there. It means you can't go. If that sign means that you can go. They must. I do not know these rules. But, so I think I killed also another 1,000 bicycle people. I think the, the Amsterdam police are still looking for me. Um, but I just was causing chaos in Amsterdam. And I was trying so hard to stay on that blue line. And it's hard, and you get off, and, and now you've got to go around because one, it's, it's a chaotic. Eventually, uh, I got into my son's road, and they had roadworks right across. They said, turn around, go back. I said, no, I'm finished now. That's it. <laughs> I'm just pulling over. I phoned my son, James. I said, I don't, call, I don't care this phone call cost me a million rand. Right now, I'm going to make this call. And because you go to the South African network, it's very expensive. James, come and find me. I'm over here. And he came and found me. But, The story is, say, on that blue line, the road marked out. It was a safe, if you're on the blue line, I was safe. I got onto the gray line. It was very difficult. You're not hearing correctly. You're not hearing right. And you you just somehow, it's chaotic out there. And many times in our lives, you know, God, he's author and the perfecter of our faith. He will get us to the end. The Bible says he he will finish what he began in us. But we've got to stay in position. We've got to stay on that blue line. And there will be times you will make mistakes in this life. I've made mistakes. I was in business for 24 years, and especially if you're in leadership, you have to make a call. You know, Okay, do we go left or do we go right? Everyone's looking. You've got to make a call, and sometimes you'll get it wrong. Hearing God's voice is not an exact science. You won't always hear God's voice perfectly. I wish we did. Life would be a breeze. It would be a cruise. It'd be no problems. We wouldn't have to counsel anybody. It would be so simplistic. But the reality is we, do, we don't always hear God clearly, and we step out, and sometimes we get onto that gray line. Maybe we may not hear because we may put, our, put our fingers in our ears. We don't want to hear from God. I want to do this. And you do it. Mar- people get married. To, they make, get, make mess in who, who they marry and when they marry and why they marry. And they make a real mess of it sometimes. And we've got to un- help them try and get back onto that blue line of their life. And uh, so the question this morning, are you on, that, are you on the road that God's marked out for you? Because I'm feeling God wants to mobilize you as a church. And he needs everybody in position. Needs everyone mobilized, not just some. And you know, even I was walk- during worship. I'm just trying to. I'm not going to judge you guys, and I don't want to judge people because you can't judge by the outward. But sometimes the outward's a good expression of the inward. You know, see people sitting with arms folded, folded, and they are thinking, "Yeah, oh, come on, you try and change my mind. I'm not going to change." You're just positioning yourself badly You're on that grey line, and God's going to struggle to get you onto the blue line you got to position yourself in such a way that God can lead you. I mean, remember years ago, a man coming to me and saying, um, I heard me speak at some meeting, older man, and he's very successful in the business world, extremely wealthy guy. And he came up to me after. He said, I'll offer you, and I'll, I'll give him today's money. Uh, he said, I'll give you 10,000 rand to help me with my personal life. He said, my business life, I'm extremely, I've been very successful, but my marriage is nowhere and so, my children, everything. So, will you? I said, I don't want your money. Come, let's sit and talk. And so, when we sat and I tried to help him, say, okay, this is what I believe. He kept saying, no, 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 let's do it this way. And I said, but your way doesn't work. You said so. And he got all upset, you know, that I'm trying to now help him. And I was, I was confused. And eventually, he got angry with me. He said, no, this is not going to work, you know. So, I said, but you said out of your own mouth that your way has got you into trouble and it's not going well. My marriage is good. My family, my, you know, my relationships are good. I'm walking in the way of God. you asked for help, and he said, so he, he killed the meeting. He said, No, it's not going to work, and he, he left. I thought that's so, that's how we are sometimes, unteachable. You know, we keep wanting to do it our own way when God's given us each other to help us get back onto that blue line and to do life together. If you're not walking in, in accountability with someone and someone knows about your life, your, your business decisions, why? You know, people often say, What's my money got to do with the church? Well, everything. Because, and actually when we teach on money by the way, we need to clear this thing up once and for all. We're not teaching about fi- finances to get money out of you. Really, I know Andrew. For years he wouldn't teach on money. In fact, the Lord rebuked him about not speaking about because Jesus spoke about it such a lot. And God's always provided, but we're teaching people on finance, we call it stewardship. It's God's money by the way, not yours. It's everything belongs to God, everything. Everything belongs to God. He owns everything. And so he's allowing you to look after his money. And so we're teaching you to steward his money. So when you stand before him, we, we are preparing Colossians 1, 28 and 29, uh, and, and about th- quite a few other scriptures, I think it's 2 Corinthians 11, 1. Paul says, you know, I've got to present you as a virgin bride. We've got to present you as leaders to God, Hebrews thirteen 17. We've got to give an account for you. Can we give an account for you? If I stand before God one day, or well, the elders stand before God one day, and, they, and, and your name gets brought up, and the Lord says, okay, tell me about this guy. Can you give an account for him? And they look, I can't. He never, He's came to the meetings, but he never opened up his life. He kept it to himself. He said, this is my life. I'll do it my way. I'll come to your meetings. I'll lift my hands even if you want. If you say lift your hands, I'll give you the bare minimum. But God wants it all because we need to trust one another. We need to do life together. And so we, we know as leaders we've got a responsibility. To present you to Jesus, Paul says, as a virgin. And we've got to, so when we teach on money, we, we want you to stand before God one day, and he's going to look at everyone, because the Bible says every one of us has to give an account to God for how we lived our life in, this, in the body. We have to, for the work, things we do. The Bible says we've got to give an account. And God's going to ask about, what he, I mean, we know the parable of the people given different talents and diff, different things, uh, amounts. And God expects multiplication, doesn't expect the same thing back. If he gives you 100, he doesn't expect 100 back, he expects a 1,000 back. That's, that's the parable, he said. Because there's so much, because God has poured out so much into us. We are. Do you know who you are? You're in Christ Jesus if you're born again. You've got the very God who created this whole world living inside of you. Wherever you go, demons actually tremble. And we work a lot in the area of deliverance over the last 40 years. And... The demons tremble at the name of Jesus. And if you, his son, his daughter, wherever you go, wherever you put your foot, they're scared. But the problem is Christians are normally intimidated by the demons. They normally watch on social media how they give power to the, the devil all the time. You know, this is happening. They watch, they watch the world, the culture, and the governments of the day. And, and this is demonic. And, that's and, that. and where's the church, you know, in terms of the politics? So guys often say, where's the church? Where's the church's voice in terms of politics? We were never called to politics. Jesus never got involved. He never engaged in the politics of, of his time. They actually, the Jews expected him to, to rally them to fight against the Romans who were occupying and, and, and persecuting them. And they thought, here he is, our Messiah, our King. He's going to lead us into battle. He's going to take us. But he wasn't that Messiah. They, did not, they didn't get it till later what kind of a Messiah he was. And so the churches, we call to help people and bring people to know the king. We call to build the kingdom of God, not the politics of this world. We're not called to engage. You can be a Christian politician. That's no problem with that. But that's not our fight. Our fight is against principalities and powers which destroy lives and keep God's people in a place where they're not producing in a, in a godly way, through His grace. You can't do it in your own strength. You've got to do it in His grace. But you've got to position yourself. You've got to get on that blue line and say, Lord, here I am. I'm in position. You know, I'll tell you, another, I'll tell you a little bit of a war story. A true story. Second World War. You're, probably everybody's heard of D-Day. Uh, British and Americans and Canadians. June the 6th, 1944. And they came to Europe to push back the Germans. And they put in a force higher up into the Netherlands. Mostly of Canadians. There's a a movie recently they brought out. It's quite a good movie, quite a clean movie, so you can watch it. Um, But it's based on a true story about the Canadians being sent into this one area. Now, they found a problem with the Canadian troops in this, that they were a volunteer army, whereas the Americans and the British were conscripted, which means the America and Britain said, you will fight, all of you, come and you're going to fight, if you're the right age group. With the Canadians, they volunteered. So in the battle, they found the Canadian troops would experience something called catatonic shock, where they would just drop down from weariness, fatigue, seeing people die, getting their units smaller, to keep regrouping because there was no reinforcements. Whereas the Americans could draw upon the British massive reinforcements. They could cycle their troops out and and bring in fresh troops. The Canadians just had to keep going. And so they lost hope. They couldn't, eventually, they don't know why they're doing this anymore, the, why they're suffering so much. They were literally, the catatonic shock is when you just drop down and you don't move. Physically, there's nothing wrong with you, but you just give up. And they were, had a disproportionate, they had to pull the guys out. The only solution was rest. Um, they, they wouldn't eat, they wouldn't just communicate, they wouldn't talk. They just packed up, they just gave up. And it can happen like that in the kingdom when we get to so few workers that they start burning out. And, and that happens a lot because church leaders generally, and I and Josh Jen across the board, we've got a lot of leaders, but we don't have enough. And our leaders work hard. I've got to tell you that right now. It's not a soft job. I was, Like I said, I was in the business world for 24 years, 22 years now in, in ministry. And they've got different challenges. There's no doubt about that. But in ministry, it's, it doesn't stop. It's seven days a week, 24 hours. It's just it's relentless, you know. And the sea pushes and lets go. A river, we went down a river with Andrew once. He said, in a river, if you get caught up against a rock, you're in big trouble. If we don't get you out of there quick, you're going to die. Because the river doesn't let go. It just pushes continuously. Whereas in the sea, if you get into trouble, there's tides and there's waves that push and then let go, push and let go. So sometimes like that in the church, in terms of the the workers, you know, the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. And this morning, I'm really feeling God wants to mobilize, not like the Canadian army, but like the British and the American, where we've got enough. If I look across here, there's a lot of people here. And the enemy would get you focused on this world, even as Christians. I know, I've been there. I've been in business. I've been on senior management. I had my own business. I worked for the corporate. And you can get so caught up in the business world, and it can give you a bit of an adrenaline rush as well, being in business, let's face it. But it's, it's very consuming. It, they they do, It's very demanding. And um, often we can get, our, our hearts can actually start going cold towards the kingdom of God and the work that needs to be done. So this morning, I think the challenge will be some of you need to reprioritize your lives. Is, this, is this a, are we fully, are we fully in? Does God have our hearts 100%? I had a principle in terms of uh, my, the church, Durhamville, the congregation I led, of, of with the leaders. If a leader ever phoned me, And said i can't come to a leaders meeting or some meeting that we really called if they phoned and said i can't make it i would never question them because the fact that you're on leadership with me means that you tried and tested and that your heart is for the kingdom of god that's why you're on leadership so that's my assumption that you are your heart is fully for jesus and the only reason you'd phone me is out of capacity problem and you generally i know all the leaders want to be there they're so hungry they so want to serve jesus the only reason you would phone me is because you generally, and I trust, i got to trust you, I ask you to trust me, so I, I must trust you as well. So if you say, I can't make it, then I'd, I don't question you. I've got a parents meeting, or I've got this or that, that you, you weighed up the two meetings and you said, okay, that's, I have to, because we've got to look after our kids, we've got to look after our families, but I think in the current world we're living in, and it's tipped too far. Sport has become a god. It's, you know, sport is such a good thing, it's healthy, man. You know, go cycling, running, and, and these things are good for your body. It's, nothing, it's, nothing, it's not sinful, but it can become sinful when, it's, when, it, when it becomes your passion and your obsession above the things of God. And so maybe this morning it's just a realignment for some people to get back on that blue line. You're on the gray line. You're still going to get there, but you may not get there on time. And, and so you won't get there the right way. There might be, you might be miss what God is wanting to do in your life. And this is for you we're doing this. We, do, we, don't, we don't want to burn people out. We don't want to be like the Canadians. We want to have a, a, a big army of, of people that we can rotate in and out. Hey, Derek, take a break. We've got this guy who can come and just pick up, and you guys take time out. At the moment, you've got two elders in this congregation. It's not enough. I know we're supposed to have brought some more on, and we had to just, just because we had some procedural and other issues, we had to just work through so we put a pause on some of the guys we're about to bring through. But those guys we're about to bring through, they should just love you like, like elders. They might not have their the, the hands laid on. Because hands laying on is a very important thing. in the, king, in the, in the Israelites knew that the laying on of hands was a transference of sin. And, um, and they knew laying on of hands, when Jesus laid hands on the children, uh, it was a, very, it's a very for the Jews it meant a lot. To lay hands it wasn't just yeah it's like a routine thing we do come out immediately it was a powerful significant moment in the spirit realm so i, un- so I understand that the, the guys weren't had have, have didn't have hands laid on them but they should be functioning if, if they if god has raised them up to be elders it shouldn't be a surprise that someone becomes an elder you should have felt their touch you should have felt the them in your life where, the, where they've got influence in the particular this congregation That's how we bring elders through, by observation. Hey, these guys are just eldering. There's not like we've got a job available. Who wants to do it? It's who's doing it. Okay, let's endorse what God has raised up. Let's confirm and acknowledge what God has raised up. Galatians 2.20, if you want to put that up. Can you say this with absolute conviction, Galatians 2.20? I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Could you, can we all say that scripture if, if you know, I've asked you to? Could you say, "Now I've been crucified with Christ. The life I live in this body, I live for Christ. Can you really, really say that? Not by your terms, but by God's terms. Because sometimes we'll, we'll set the terms and standards. No, I'm, I'm on fire for God, you know. And, but you look, really there's not an obvious, maybe that's not how God would really uh, compare you to his word and compare to what he would desire. It's about a heart. It always comes back to the heart. Even Jesus struggled with the fact that he had to go to be crucified. The, we went to the Garden of Gethsemane about three, four years ago. We were, it took the first time we've been to Israel. And you, we, you see the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus sweated blood there. And he said, "Father, is not another way." I mean, he knew what lay ahead. The, I don't know if it was the, just the physical crucifixion that, that what lay ahead, because we know it was horrendous, um, or was it the fact that he was going to take all our sin upon him at that point? I mean, he didn't know the Father would even turn against him, He'd turn away at that moment. Like, my Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? You know, like for that moment, he, as he took our sin, the Father couldn't even gaze upon what the sin. What if he knew that was going to take place? But he said, Father, it's oh, not another way, but Father, not my will, but your will be done. And this morning, can God's will be fully done in your life? Do you trust God with your life? Have you stepped out in faith? Some of the young folk are standing here about you know, stepping out in faith. And, you know, but when you get older, you've stepped out in faith many times and you've trusted God. And sometimes things go t- terribly wrong. I've seen that. We've watched people get their faith really tested. When your wife dies or your child dies, and, but I trusted God for healing. I trusted God. Where, where was God? Because you, know? you, you point yourself in the wrong direction. You, you, set the wrong, you have a wrong theology and understanding of God and, and how he views this life. God doesn't view this life very highly, by the way. It's a, it's, he references as you aliens, you're just passing through this world, you just a spirit being of a temporary physical experience. So he's just like a, like a flower, and it's gone, like a bit of steam, and it's gone. But because we're living longer now, we tend to settle down and think, well, your eternity's over there. You know, it's a little add-on to this life, where that is the real. This is just the, the, the getting ready to go and a time of preparation for going. Jesus said he's preparing his bride. He's getting his bride ready for that day, that glorious day when we'll meet up with him in the sky and, and be with him forever. But he also says the bride is getting herself ready, Ephesians 5 and Revelation. The bride is preparing herself, getting herself ready, but the bride is to present. You know, some people, have got, some people were brides here. Okay, they got married. They wouldn't be able to walk down the aisle if they didn't present themselves to walk down the aisle. If did, they didn't go and get prepared, we all know brides get dressed up quite elaborately. It's quite a lot goes into that. My youngest son, is in Amsterdam, He's getting married to a Russian lady. Awkward. Um, <laughs> at the end of this year, they're coming out to South Africa. And, you know, they're preparing already. They're getting the venue ready. There's a lot of preparation taking place. They're talking dresses and hair now. I mean... I think he'll the day before he'll brush his hair or something, you know, look for something to wear, um, knowing my son. And, uh, but there's a preparation that the brides go through to get themselves ready. They don't walk down the aisle in jeans and, and a T-shirt, you know. I can, well, some do, but uh, <laughs> it's a different world we live in today. But the majority would see it as a, as a dress-up moment, a preparation moment. And this, you're in a preparation time. You've got to see that. In the spirit realm, you've got to understand, this is a preparation time for eternity. Yes. Eternity. Some of you have made mistakes. Some of you, maybe some of the older folk, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pastor, I deal with older people. And you can see sometimes, they've, t- they've deviated off that blue line, they're on the gray line. And we're going to help them get back onto that blue line. Okay, come, let's walk together, let's help you. Finish well. You may have made a mess. You may have got some things wrong, but come, let's finish well. Let's go into eternity. I'm going to help you prepare to get ready for that day when you stand before him. And when you all stand before him, you will. I've been reading some of the, just somehow sometimes, you know, you get things come your way in media. This this one, he's not an atheist, he's an anti-theist. He's, he's dead now for 10 years, but a very well-known guy. I won't give you his name because you might go and look him up and get influenced by him. A very intelligent man. Very clever, very good debater, but aggressive against Christianity, and you know if you're arguing from a unsaved eyes and unsaved, you won't you won't see, and um, it's so sad because right now he, he's strongly against this, and he, like I said, he's people looked up to him. He's followed by millions, but now he's been there ten years in eternity. He's now finding out what he believed, whether it's right or not. Um, but we have got opportunity at this moment in this life to make right and to say, God, I don't want to be a Canadian. I want to be an American. <laughs> okay. Some people may not like Americans here. So, okay. I've got another good example. But, um, but I want to be part of God's army. I want to be someone who's in, who's in God's pos- in position well in God, where God can use me. And so right now, you may not see a way forward. You may not understand what that means. That's okay. We'll help you, but come to us, present yourselves as a living sacrifice. Everything you do in this life horizontally is a reflection of your relationship with God vertically. You know that. 1 John four twenty 20 says, how can you say you love God who you've never seen? If you can't love man, who you can see. And loving man means, man and woman, means presenting yourself to be available to God, to be used by him. So every single one of you, not one person exempt this morning, one, not one person is left out, is part of God's army. Every single one of you. There's no, okay, these guys are the army and the rest are just watching. There's no watchers. There's no observers. You're either in or you're out. And if you're out, today be in. And if you're in, get more in. Go for it in the Lord. Get, get on that blue line and say, Lord, I want to go well to them. I want to blaze into, into the end. I've been serving the Lord for 43 years now, since my 20s. I got saved. And it's been, it's been tough because Jesus warned us in John he says, Take heart. In this world, you will have trouble. And boy, we have seen trouble. Lots. And, uh, but he says, This, I've overcome. Take heart. I've overcome the world. In Hebrews, he read, For the joy is set before him. He endured the cross. Do you see the joy? Do you see it in the spirit realm this morning? Do you see the joy that, God's, that Jesus saw? He saw something. For the joy set before him, he 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 knew that you would all be sitting here today. He knew that you would exist. Every one of your lives are precious to him. This is why he went to the cross. This is the joy set before him. When he, he visualized, he knew you by name before you were born, that you would exist, that you would be here today in Wellington, listening to this guy speaking about the Lord. This moment, right now, God knew this would happen. And for you to respond, we call to respond. The bride is is the responder to the groom. That's what we see in scripture. That's God's patterns, God's plan. And we're the bride, and we call to respond. I believe the bride, the groom is saying this morning, "Come, come, come onto the blue line. Come into my will. Come for the, Come get on that race marked out for you. There is a race that's marked out for you. So let's. I want to just, for us to pray." i said at the beginning i thought go on to mobilize wellington morning congregation there's much work to be done folks and for you guys just don't let the young guys put the older guys you know in terms of their faith they're young you say are oh, you young folk you've got lots to learn ah oh, maybe they have sure they have but you've learned we need the veterans we need those who've walked in god we need those who got cuts and bruises and and battle scars But you can either go and hide away with your battle scars, or you can bring them into the light and say, "Guys, come, let me journey with you." The young folk need the older people. When I was finished jumping, he needs someone who will catch him, and will walk with them and say, "Come." He does. He's a very humble guy, by the way. So we need all—we need the older guys back in the fight. Let's stand. If you can put up Philippians 1, 1 to 6 for me, please. And so read this over us. Okay, Philippians 1, verse 1 to 6. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, elders and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Take note, he wrote to the church first, the leaders second. So he, if you're a saint sitting here this morning, this letter is written to you. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. we Are partnering in the gospel with Jesus? Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, Will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So He began a work in you, and He wants to continue it to the day of Christ Jesus. He's coming, or else you meeting Him in your own right. He's confident of this, and I'm confident of this this morning that God has begun a work in you, and He wants to finish it. And so, if if you off the mark this morning, let's be those. Make a decision. Will you make a decision with me this morning to get back on that blue line, get off the gray line? Say, Lord, here I am. I've been just cruising along, but I want to present my heart. I want to present my body to you for works of service and to be available to you in your hand. Direct me, Lord. And, and you do it in faith. It's, you know These guys are f- trusting God for faith for finance, but faith to present yourself to God is, is massive. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So even if your faith is diminished this morning and, and it's down. You haven't got strong faith anymore. You've taken too many knocks in this life. I believe God can breathe new life into your faith. Stir up your faith again to, to remember the days of before when you first met Him. Let's close our eyes. Father, we